listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. Our reading today is from Hebrews chapter one. When I'm finished, I will say this is the word of the Lord. And if you believe that that's true, uh, respond with thanks be to God. This is Hebrews chapter one, verses one through three. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Fam, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks, God. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Good morning, Story City. My name is Jonathan. Um, If you don't know me or if you're new here, I'm the Director of Engagement for Story City Collective, and I am one of the uh, elder candidates here at the Granada Hills location. I'm super glad that you could join us today. Um, If you've noticed, it might have looked a little different on stage with our uh, worship team. That's because uh, Brendan and Izzy are over at the Burbank location, and the Burbank location came uh, to serve us today because they're having something called uh, their student take over. And what that is, is they are working together, uh, the students of all, of all of our ministries are working together to run the worship service over at Burbank. And after the service, they're having something called Family Fest. What that is, is just an opportunity to support our young people as they raise funds uh, to go to camp. And they're doing it through throwing like uh, a Family Fest. There's going to be games and uh, items to bid on, uh, donations, raffles, all that kind of stuff. And so if you guys are available after the service, we would love to uh, see you guys there. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, we're going to be there. Our leadership team will be there. We're going to be having a good time. And so we want to invite you guys to that. Uh, we like to say this here at Surrey City. We are one church with two locations. And though you attend our Granada Hills location, uh, those are our brothers and sisters in Christ over there who we love dearly. Uh, and God has brought us together to, to, to see his kingdom move forward, right? To see the gospel saturate the San Fernando Valley, and for us to work together uh, to see Jesus lifted high. And so I'm, I'm excited that we get to have them today. I'm excited for Brendan and Izzy being over there. I'm excited that we get to uh, be a part of Story City. So we're going to dive into Hebrews 1. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right into it. Father God, we thank you uh, for the opportunity today to uh, ha- learn your word. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds and that we would respond and not just be hearers of the word, God, but we would be obedient. We would be doers of the word. God, that we would uh, do what you're calling us to do and that how you're stirring us up. Father, we thank you for this time. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now, love makes us do some weird things. I don't know about you guys, but it's kind of interesting how when, when we come to a moment where uh, maybe we're, we're dating and we're about to get engaged, have you guys ever thought about the engagement like process or like what, what that actually looks like, right? We make this big like debacle. We, we, we want to express our love through like the most, you know, expressive way we can, 
right? We want, we want that person, the person that we're trying to become engaged to, to know that we love them, right? We, we go through maybe uh, uh, a lot of planning. Maybe we want to surprise them. We want to make it as special as possible. Why? Because we are trying to communicate our love for that person. I remember when uh, me and my wife, Allie, we were dating and it was about that time for us to get engaged and I started to think about, man, how am I going to express my love for Allie? And um, it just so happened that I was on my cell phone and she had been using my cell phone. It was my computer. It was some type of electronic device. But what happened was she left on that device, she left her Pinterest logged in on my device, right? So I pull up the screen. She's walking out. She's, she's walking out. <laughs> I pull up the screen and I see there a secret board. You guys know what secret boards are? So on Pinterest, you can have secret boards, like boards that the public can't see, that only you can see when you're logged in, right? And in this secret board, I see this thing called, like, like how I want to be, pretty much what it was saying was like, how I want to be engaged to, right? And I was like, oh, shoot, score, right? Like, this is money, right? So I open it, and like, I'm going through all these, Pinterest is just like a big idea board, and I'm looking at all these ideas, and one of the things that I see is that she wants to get kissed under a waterfall. I was like, man, I can make that happen. I can figure that out, right? Like, I can figure out how we can do that, right? And so uh, we were flying back to Pennsylvania in a short amount of time. I had the ring. I started searching for all these places in Pennsylvania. I was like typing into Google, waterfalls that you can go under, right? And trying to find like all these different places. And I finally found one. So I was all excited, right? We're taking this road trip. We're going to go to one of our friend's weddings. And then after that, we're going to drive. And I'm going to, as we're driving there, I'm going to take a detour. I'm going to take her to this waterfall. I'm going to take her behind the waterfall. I'm going to get on my knee. I'm going to tell her that she's the love of my life. I'm going to propose to her. And then I'm going to make her dreams come true. I'm going to kiss her under the waterfall. Right? I was super stoked, super excited. This is how I, wanted to express my love to my wife. Funny story, we get there. I'm like, come on. She's like, no, I don't want to go. It's cold. And like, she's fighting me, right? I'm like, I'm like trying to like, come on. I was like, oh, look, there's a waterfall. Maybe we can go behind it. Wink, wink, right? Like trying to get her to go through the water with me. There's like some rocks, like a little path. And she just is like, no, she's not doing it. She's like, I'm like, but trust me. Come on, let's do it together. She's like, no, she fights me. She fights me. She doesn't want to do it. Finally, I'm just like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull the trigger. So right there, I'm like, fine, you know what? And I just got down on one knee and I proposed to her. And it wasn't as special. And then I told her, but see, I wanted to take you back there because and then I started explaining to her. And then she felt all bad. She was like, oh man, like, you know. It was all cool. And then I asked this random stranger to take a picture of us. It was fun. Um, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, right? But that's how I wanted to express my love to my wife. And you see, God, through Jesus, has expressed his love to us. 
You see, Jesus is the full expression of God's love. Today, our big idea is this, is that God expresses his love and plan for humanity through the person and work of Jesus. I'll say that again. God expresses his love and plan for humanity through the person and work of Jesus. He does this in three distinct ways. The first way is this, is that Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's revelation. Jesus is the expression of God's, uh, ultimate expression of God's revelation. Look at Hebrews 1 again with me. It says this, Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. And then he contrasted. It's kind of like he's saying, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. You see, throughout the Old Testament, God communicated with humanity in different ways, right? He spoke directly to individuals like Adam, Eve, Deborah, and Moses, and many others. And the way he communicated varied. He talked in different ways, right? It included dreams, visions, spoken messages, written words. But God's communication through the prophets was crucial. It was the only way we would know his, who he is, what his plan was, what his desire is. It revealed his character. It revealed what he was trying to do in the world and it re uh, revealed his desire for humanity. And while the communication through the prophets was significant, it was also extremely limited. There was the sense of distance and separation between God and his people. The people that he was speaking through, they were flawed, right? The, 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 um, what he was saying in the timelines, there was gaps. There was all these different uh, uh, things that people had to deal with and they did not provide an immediate and personal interaction that human beings longed for. However, God's intention was to prepare the way for something greater, right? A communication that would surpass all previous modes of communication. The Bible says in John, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then it says this, and the word, talking about Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. So with the coming of Jesus, everything changed. Jesus became the direct and personal expression of God's communication to humanity. You see, Jesus is not merely a prophet or a messenger. He is the complete and final revelation of God himself. In Jesus, God's message to humanity finds its ultimate expression. I love the way that A.W. Tozer puts this. He says, the Son is the express image of the invisible God. He is not almost like God. He is not nearly like God. He is like God. He is God. He is God's final and complete utterance to men. Another author said it this way, in Jesus, 
God spoke to humanity with a finality and completeness that surpassed all other previous modes of communication. You see, he surpasses all these ways of communication because he reveals the depth of God's love for humanity. And he reveals God's desire to have a personal, intimate relationship with us. Through his life, his teachings, his miracles, his death and resurrection, see, Jesus reveals the, the nature and character of God in ways that had not been communicated before. Jesus revealed the heart of God in a way that no prophet ever could. You see, he brings communication from a distant and abstract concept to a personal and immediate reality. We don't have to wonder what God is trying to say. He has said everything he has been trying to say in the person of Jesus. We no longer have to depend on uh, intermediaries or signs. We, as uh, believers, as people, can encounter and experience God's communication directly through Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus offers the uh, opportunity for us to know God personally, and not only that, but to enter into a living and dynamic relationship with him. We can know God, and his presence is transformative. It revolutionizes the way we interact with God. It calls us to embrace the personal and immediate connection we have available to us. And it invites us to respond with openness, attentiveness, and a deep longing to know and follow him. What a privilege, right family? What a privilege. And so can I say this? God is pouring out his expression through Jesus. And Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's revelation. If you haven't de decided to follow Jesus, right, if we have not decided to follow Jesus, God is calling us to follow him. God is calling us to apprenticeship. God is calling us to know who he is and to feel that love and to reciprocate that love. Are we listening? Do we hear it? If we're already an apprentice of Jesus, if we're already following him, God is calling us to a daily, more intimate, surrendered relationship with him. He wants us to know him and he wants to know us. He wants us to put our faith and trust in every life circumstance upon him so that he can give us rest. Are we listening? Are we reciprocating? Are we understanding that expression of his love? Or are we letting it go through one ear and out the other? Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's revelation. But he's also this. Jesus is also the ultimate expression of God's power, glory, and nature. He's also the ultimate expression of God's power, glory, and nature. Look at verse uh, two. This is the second half of that. It says, God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. 
So how is Jesus the ultimate expression of God's power? First, in three ways. He's the heir of all things. The universe was made through him. And at the last part of verse of, uh, two, it says, he sustains all things by his powerful word. Right? So by this statement, the author, what he's saying here is that God affirms Jesus' divine authority, his creative power, and his ongoing involvement in the preservation and governance of the universe. That he is, uh, uh, simply put, Jesus is God. And he's in charge of everything because he created everything. And everything continues to exist because he says so. That's the simple, that's, that's layman's terms, right? as simple as it gets. That Jesus is God and he's in charge of everything because he created everything. And everything continues to exist because he says so. Psalms 2 echoes uh, this authority. It says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire against the Lord and his anointed one. Let's tear off their chains and throw their ropes off us. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord ridicules them. And then he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. And this is what he says, I I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare the Lord's decree, he said to me. You are my son. Today, I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with an iron scepter. You will shatter them like pottery. So now, kings be wise. Receive instruction. You judges of the earth, serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoicing with trembling. Pay homage to the son or he will be angry and you will perish in your rebellion for his anger may ignite at any moment all who take refuge in him are happy that's a long verse but what is it saying that that we that God Jesus right he's been made the heir of all things Psalm 2 is is this uh, psalm of praise that's showing that's praising this person who would be that royal authority and Jesus fulfills it he takes that place and God takes that name and he he puts it on Jesus he says you are the royal authority you you are the heir of all things. And so now Jesus has uh, this, this name and this authority that's given to him by God. He has this divine authority. John 1 emphasizes his active role in the creation of all things. Uh, the, the verse is not on the screen, but you guys might be familiar with it. It says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Jesus was at creation and not only was he there, he says he was doing the creation not one thing was created right that wasn't by him and so again the author is showing that God is affirming Jesus as God himself that he has divine authority that he has creative power but he also sustains everything right the word of his power 
It's, it's amazing that, that now he's almost giving Jesus his resume, right? He's saying, he's saying, look, this is why he is my final revelation. Because he is the ultimate expression of my, my, my power, my glory, and my nature. How is Jesus the ultimate expression of God's glory? It's amazing here, the author uses a metaphor. He says uh, the radiance, right? He talks about radiance, and it's this idea. Have you ever looked at the sun, right? Well, you shouldn't, right? You shouldn't look at the sun. Um, You shouldn't make a habit of looking at the sun, right? When you were a kid, you looked at the sun for like one or two seconds, and you stop and close your eyes to see that little sun ball, right? But when you look at the sun, you you can't really, like you can kind of glance at it and you look away, but you can't keep your eyes fixed on the sun, right? We need telescopes uh, to, to actually see what the sun looks like, to take pictures of it so we can see it in its detail and understand what it actually looks like. But we can't take our gaze. We have to turn away, right? But we can, when we look up at the sun, even though we may not be able to look at it, we can feel its rays, right? Its warmth hitting us. We know that it's there and that's what uh, Jesus is, right? You can't, you, you can't feel, uh, see the sun, but you can feel its warmth. You can uh, feel its heat and the sun is the radiance of God's glory. He's shining forth as the visible manifestation of an invisible God, right? He is what we see. God is like the sun. He's a noble. We, quite, we, we can kind of see parts, but we gotta, we gotta turn our face. But Jesus is the warmth, right? The reality of the creator's power that comes to meet us where we are at. We, we know who God is through the son. This reveals Jesus' divine identity. When we behold Jesus, we behold God. When we see Jesus, we see God. And that's what the author is trying to communicate. That he's the ultimate expression of God's glory. How is, he, uh, how is Jesus the ultimate expression of God's nature? You see, the Son is the exact expression of God's nature. The Greek word used here is character, which means uh, an engraving or an impression. They would use it, uh, this idea is like on a coin that their metal is soft, right? They would take that um, tool and they would imprint on a coin, right? Or they would use it as maybe like a signet ring, like the ring, right? You would put it in wax and then you would put that wax on an envelope or a message that you were giving out and then that was the the impression. It It was the exact representation. So what this is signifying is that the sun is the very essence and character of God. Just as an engraving on a signet ring leaves a distinct imprint, Jesus perfectly reflects the nature of the Father. Right? He's not just a, uh, just a mere reflection of God's glory. He's the very expression and embodiment of God's glory, of God's nature. And in him, we see God's full character. We see his love. We see his grace. And we see his truth. They're all made visible. Who God is, is seen in the life and the teaching and the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus. These statements, all these things that they're saying is that they affirm his authority, his role in creation, his intimate connection with God's glory in nature, and his ongoing involvement in upholding and sustaining all things. 
What does that mean for us? We need to acknowledge Jesus' rightful place as the center of our lives. We need to recognize his sovereignty and his power in every aspect of our existence. We need to understand it. We need to place our faith and trust in him. We need to recognize that he alone has the authority and ability to fulfill God's purposes and bring about true redemption and restoration. It is only in Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's power, glory, and nature. But lastly, Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's finished work. He's the expression, the ultimate expression of God's finished work. Look at the end of verse three. And after making purification for, excuse me, purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So how is Jesus the ultimate expression of God's finished work? I love what John Stott said. He said, the son of God through whom God created the world is the same son of God who came into the world to redeem it. The author is very clear. He makes a a very uh, distinct statement. He says that Jesus, that he made purification for our sins. He uses that word for a specific reason. And he says when that was complete, when that was finished, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You see, this is the ultimate expression of God's finished work. First, we're going to look at Jesus. He made purification for our sins. Why is this important? Where does this come from? In Leviticus 4, we find instructions for sin offerings in the Old Testament. Right? The the people of Israel, they were commanded to bring specific animals to the priest as an offering. And then uh, for unintentional sins, and then the priest would make the atonement for the people by sacrificing the animal and then sprinkling the blood in the holy place. And this uh, this symbol ritualized the temporary covering of sins. They had to do it every single time they sinned, and they had to do it every single year repeatedly, right? What it did was it demonstrated a need for a greater and more permanent purification. There was, it, it wasn't substantial. It, it wasn't enough. They needed something that was going to, boom, end it, right? And the, 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 the children of Israel, they had to keep doing it. In Leviticus 16, it describes the Day of Atonement, which was a sacred day uh, in Israel's calendar. The high priest, again, would enter the most holy place with the blood of sacrificed animals to make atonement for the sins of the people. And this was a solemn day, but this was to remind them of the ongoing need for cleansing and reconciliation with God. It was something that they had to do year after year after year. Can you imagine? Wouldn't you be like, oh man, gotta do this again. And it would just continuously remind you, man, I'm so, I'm a sinner. I need purification. Oh man, I did this wrong. I need to go make purification. Oh, here's the day of atonement again. All right, let's go make purification. The rhythm of their life was disrupted, right, by this remembering that they needed purification. Can I say this today? It hasn't changed. We need purification. And Jesus says, I'm not just going to give you something that you have to remember every week. 
or every time you sin, I'm gonna give you something that's final, that's complete. And he says, here's the ultimate expression of God's finished work. Jesus said, I'm going to be the purification for your sin. Hebrews presents Jesus as the ultimate high priest. Right, and he, he comes in, he, he makes purification, uh, purification for sins once and for all. How does he do that? He offers himself, right? He becomes the sacrificial spotless lamb. God in the flesh, sinless and perfect, says, I'm going to die on behalf of humanity. Jesus accomplished what the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament couldn't. His sacrifice on the cross provides complete and eternal atonement for sin. The work is finished. It removes guilt and it reconciles. It brings back humanity into friendship with God. It says, hey, you have the opportunity now to be in a relationship with God. It's finished. We don't have to do anything else. I don't have to be good. I don't have to do works. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do anything. It's it's through the finished work of Jesus. But he actually does something cool here. The author could have just stopped, right? He says, oh, it's complete. But the author says a little bit more, and it says, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he says, now that the job's done, he went and he rested, and, he, and he, he makes almost in the sense of intercession for us. He's ruling over creation. He's ruling with the Father. The, the job is so done, he can sit back and relax, right? I love what Daniel says. It says, uh, it's, this is a vision, right? And uh, it says this, I continued watching in the night visions and suddenly in Daniel chapter seven, one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven and he approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation and language uh, should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. What is it talking about here? It's giving us a distinction, a connection between Jesus' finished work and now his eternal priesthood kingdom. It's saying because Jesus finished the work, now he's going to reign forever and ever. That this is his kingdom. The vision of of one, uh, like a son of man, right? That's Jesus. And through his perfect sacrifice, Jesus obtained an everlasting kingdom that transcends time and it cannot be destroyed. This is the end of the story, that one day God will restore all things and that Jesus will reign in perfection. Guess what? All the, the, the brokenness and the sin and the sickness and disease and everything that causes pain, they will fall and submit to the feet of Jesus. And he will reign and rule over all things. And it will be right. The intention and the design, the beauty that God had at the beginning of time, he's going to bring that and he's going to restore all of creation. And it's all going to be ruled by Jesus. He's the priest king. He's interceding on our behalf. The work is not only done on the cross, but the end of the story is already written. Death, sin, Satan, they all are defeated. And it's through Jesus. 
Psalms 110 talks about how it's, uh, it's a prophetic uh, psalm talking there and says, uh, one of the sentences that says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool. This idea that Jesus will reign. Jesus' position at the right hand of God signifies his authority, victory over sin and death, and ongoing intercession for his people. Jesus is the perfect high priest. So let us embrace that truth, right? Uh, are we recognizing that there are no other sacrifices or rituals needed in order to atone for sin? Are we recognizing that? Are we putting our faith in that? Are we saying that with our mouth and maybe we believe it, but our actions say something totally different? Instead, we put all, all these things, we, we put that, that faith on our identity saying, I have to earn that. I need to be a good person or I need to believe these things or whatever, fill in the blank, when ultimately it's Jesus. Are we truly living this way? Can I ask you this? Place your faith in Jesus' sacrifice and surrender your sins to him. Rejoice in the assurance of forgiveness and restoration through his cleansing power because we don't need anything else. We only need Jesus. So, in conclusion, God expresses his love and plan for humanity through the person and work of Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's revelation. Right? He's the ultimate expression of God's power, glory, and nature. He's the ultimate expression of God's finished work. Are we listening? As a husband, I was, I was watching this weird reel. I don't know if you guys watch weird reels. But it was like this doctor guy, and he was saying that husbands only actually listen to 25% of what their wives say to them, right? And if you're a husband in here, I can kind of like, you know, agree with that. A lot of times my wife is talking to me, and I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. And I'll even, I'll even like say things back to her to like try to act like I'm listening, but I have so many things going on in my brain, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, and then she'll say something, and then I'm like, oh shoot, that was probably super important. And I agree to it, right? I was like, oh yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll do that. And then I step away from the conversation, and I'm like, oh, what did she just say? She could probably just say, like, send a plane to the moon, and I agreed to it, right? I'm not really listening, right? You see, because true listening takes humility. Yes. It says what the other person is saying is more important than what I have to say or what I'm thinking about. It takes an intentional action to submit yourself to the person who is talking. Yeah. Amen. Listening to God, hearing his communication, it takes humility. We have to be intentional. We have to submit ourselves to the person who's talking. We need to be able to hear him. We need to truly be listening. Are we listening to God's communication? Maybe you're in here today and you've never even heard anything like this. You're wrestling with the existence of God or who Jesus really is or whatever it may be. And you've never actually decided to say, hey, I want to follow after Jesus. 
there's an opportunity for you today to respond. Maybe you're in here and you say, man, I'm going through it and I'm an apprentice of Jesus, but I don't understand how this all makes sense. God is communicating his power, his faithfulness, right? What he wants to do in your life, he's communicating that. And you have the opportunity to respond, to trust him, to go deeper into a more uh, intimate relationship with him where we depend on him fully. I'm gonna close this in prayer and then I'm gonna give us some opportunities to respond. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you've communicated to us. We thank you that you're so loving, so kind, so gracious. God, you pursue us. You didn't have to communicate to us in this way and yet you do. And why? Because you love us. It's the reckless love of God that chases after us, that pursues us. Like that song says that there's no wall, there's no lie that will stop you from coming after us. You want, to, you want us to know who you are. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in here, Lord. Maybe somebody in here doesn't know you, hasn't decided to follow you, hasn't trusted in your finished work for salvation. God, I ask that you would continue to stir their hearts. Father, for those of us that are going through a hard time, maybe we're unsettled in our faith. God, would you allow us to lean on your power and your glory and your nature and that you said everything that you need to say and that we can trust you with anything. God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for Jesus. In his name is pray. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at StoryCityGH or online at StoryCityChurch.com. Go and be the church.